0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. Yeah, Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. March Madness isn't just hoops. It's about to get crazy on the Vikings front. It is going to be a very busy couple weeks few weeks in fact for the Vikings we'll get to the Vikings in just a bit but we'll start with Gophers basketball here on scoop podcast episode 208 being recorded on Monday night the 4th of March are the Gophers going to make the big dance would 8 and 12 in the Big Ten get them in that would mean a loss at Maryland on Friday night on national TV and a loss Tuesday night at the Barnes senior night against Purdue now if you find a way to beat number 11 Purdue Senior Night, think about how electric the barn will be on Tuesday night. That atmosphere will be rocking. So if the Gophers can find a way to beat Purdue, heck, they played Purdue pretty darn tough for 20-plus minutes in West Lafayette a couple weeks ago. And is Purdue as good as their record suggests? Maybe they are. Carson Edwards is a stud. I'm actually surprised. No NBA scouts are credentialed. For the Gophers-Purdue game, I figured an NBA scout or two would be in to watch Carson Edwards and Jordan Murphy and Amir Coffey and others like Daniel Oturu, who's definitely on the radar of NBA scouts. But Purdue is pretty darn good. Are they as good, though, as that 15-3 and Big Ten record suggests? Think about Michigan, Michigan State. Those teams are rooting for the Gophers big time on Tuesday night. So much at stake for the Gophers because if you beat Purdue, heck, you're pretty much at that point a lock to make the big dance it's a big night for Jordan Murphy his mom and dad will be at the game they've been to some games before but it's not like they get here from San Antonio a lot plus he will have a sister at the game we'll have a cousin plus her four kids and five family friends it will be a family affair at Williams arena on Tuesday night for Jordan Murphy one of the all-time great players in Gopher's history number one in rebounds top 10 in points Sean Leonard is number one in points but yeah look at the record books don't even get me started. Started on that, that Rashawn Leonard's career has been wiped away in the record books. But he's number one. We all know that. He's number one in Gophers history. But depending on how you look at it, Jordan Murphy is right now number seven. If he has a good run here, the final few weeks, he can climb as high as number four. Or if you look at the record book without Rashawn Leonard being number one, then he can ascend as high as number three. But yeah, no doubt, number one in double-doubles with 64, number one in free throws made, free throws attempted, and whether you think he's 7th or 8th with scoring, heck, he's top 10. So anyway you slice and dice it, so Jordan Murphy, one of the all-time great players in Gophers history, and his Gophers home career comes to an end on Tuesday. I had a chance on Monday afternoon to catch up with Jordan to reflect on his Gophers career and talk senior night. Jordan, does the cliche hold true that time flies? Is it hard to believe? that tomorrow is senior
1: night yeah it's very hard to believe i mean yeah when people, when i first got here people would always just tell me time's gonna fly just enjoy it, enjoy your time here because it's gonna fly by just fast and and we're already here at senior night and it just feels like I, I don't know i feel like i just want all that time back but you know it is what it is and i'm just in, i'm happy to enjoy my time here
0: let's go sequentially i mean you didn't originally commit here right i mean if shaka smart doesn't leave vcu I mean, who knows how life would have been different.
1: Yeah, I mean, in theory, you, you have a point. Uh, with VCU, uh, I was committed there, and the Shocker did leave. But if he didn't leave, I mean, I, I guess theoretically I would still be over there. So uh, I'm just glad that the scenarios happened the way they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, what was that time like? I mean, let's just go sequentially. I mean, what was that time like when you were trying to decide, okay, like Indiana was interested, right? Mm-hmm. Minnesota wanted you badly. A lot of schools wanted you. How did you settle on Minnesota?
1: Man, Um during that time it was like a whirlwind, I mean, I had to open back up my recruitment, I had to talk to VCU and tell them I didn't want to be, go there anymore and it was just a whole whirlwind effect and I just got questioned by a whole bunch of people and family and just asking like are you going to be okay, like what are you going to do and I think uh, when I took my first official visit to Boston College and I knew that wasn't a place for me and then I took a visit to Minnesota and uh, after that I was supposed to be my Indiana visit. but. Um, my Minnesota visit was just something where I was just like, wow, this is this is an amazing place. Like The people are nice. The environment's nice. The school's great. Uh, I just really loved it here, and it really felt like family. It felt like a place that I need to be, and so I swear, that's how I settled on Minnesota.
0: Okay, and then freshman year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had a good freshman year, but you were coming off the bench, right? I mean, a lot of people were saying you should start. Joey King should go to the bench. What was that freshman year like, adjusting to a new role?
1: Uh, I think the, my freshman year was very... Uh, a good learning experience for me obviously just being able to provide some spark off the bench during the year and just being able to do what i can do and contributing my contributing my way and contributing my piece and uh just being able to learn from the the seniors on team and we had bugs who was teaching me a lot of things we had carlos morris and Joby king of course and all of them were just teaching me different things about the game and coach p and just the system and stuff like that so it was a it was a very good experience for me i think
0: Did you learn some stuff off the court, too? I mean, there was some turmoil off the court,
1: too. Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned how to just deal with people and deal with different uh, aspects and dealing with with controversy as well. And I think uh, during that year we had a lot of controversy. We had a lot of off-the-court issues, and that was just something where – uh, you had to learn to deal with it and just learn to just live with it. You weren't really involved in it, but I mean, people are still going to ask you about it, like what happened, like is that going to affect you in the long term? And you just got to keep your head down, keep working hard, and just do what you do. And I mean, that's just what I did.
0: And learn about overcoming adversity. I mean, you know, a lot of people said, "Hey, you should go," and you said, "No, I'm going to toughen this thing out, right? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to ride this thing out. This is where I committed. This is where I want to be."
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely some people in my ear about, "Oh, you should leave. Like, oh, this is not the place for you." And I was just like. I mean, they saw the potential that I saw. I mean, at that time, I think obviously they wouldn't have told me that, but uh, I knew what we had. I knew what we had coming in. I knew that Coach P had a very long-term plan that was that you can see coming to fruition even today, and uh, I think that's pretty much worked out for me. And
0: it came to fruition right away. I mean, thinking about your sophomore year,
1: oh, and as we yeah. leap ahead,
0: I mean, sophomore year was great.
1: Yeah, my sophomore year was uh, was one to remember for sure. I mean, uh, five road wins in the Big Ten. I mean, obviously we won eight in a row during that. We didn't lose in February. And uh, just being able to make the tournament in that way, uh, being a five-seed and uh, just being able to do what we did during that season and turn it around like that is, is something that uh, I'll remember for the rest of my life and something that uh, I'm really proud of.
0: I mean, do you think about what could have been if Akeem Springs, for example, doesn't get hurt and Nate Mason gets dinged up as well?
1: Yeah, I think I think about that a lot, actually, Just uh, especially during this time of year. I mean, uh, just knowing that we were so close and... Uh, we had a couple key pieces missing. I mean, obviously, Akeem had a really serious injury. Nate, as well, I mean, he's still dealing with that today. So, I mean, it could have been, we had a lot of potential. and We could have made a serious run if we were still healthy.
0: And there was a thought junior year, right, that you guys would make a serious run. Mm-hmm. And everything was great. You guys were ranked. And then January, unfortunately, hit. Yeah. And some off-the-court stuff. And, you know, then Amir gets hurt as well.
1: Yeah, that my junior year was definitely something that we had really big expectations for us. And we definitely had a really high ceiling, I thought, for us as a team. Uh, we definitely had a lot of key pieces. We had people returning, basically our whole starting five, except for King was returning. So the pre was fresh off a year where I thought you probably should have got six man of the year. Um, but and at the end of the day, I mean, January hit, and we couldn't really expect what was going to come come to us, and we couldn't really expect what was going to happen, and you couldn't really re- write a story, any anything like that. So, um, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. You got to learn from it. Obviously, it's something where you you can't really make excuses. I mean, I think that with that team, knowing uh, what the pieces we still had left over, we had me and Nate, uh, we still had a couple key pieces and other people. So, I think we still could have won more games. I think that. Uh, we didn't, we didn't necessarily lose our way but I don't think we had the confidence that we had with everybody else. Alright,
0: well, the way that year ended, did it motivate you in many ways for this year?
1: Oh, for sure. I think that that was something that was really key for me, just honing in on the offseason, knowing that uh, I had a lot of unfinished business here, obviously. I mean, my individual year didn't really um, persuade me to do anything drastic like leave or anything like that. I mean, it was just something where I knew I had to finish what I started here and that's something where uh, I came into this year with that mindset
0: you're still finishing it. I mean, complete the sentence. For this year to be considered a success, blank needs to happen.
1: Uh, for this year to be considered a success, I think we need to make the tournament. I think that needs to happen. Uh, in my mind, I really came in the season with that being that I'm not accepting anything less than making the tournament. And that's something where uh, I wanted to leave uh, on that type of note, making the tournament, and making sure that we, ha- we established that culture that... Um, nothing Nothing less will be accepted other than that. It's just making the tournament.
0: And not only making it, I mean, hopefully doing some damage
1: in oh, the tournament. I mean, for sure. to
0: me, I mean, there's only one team going back to 1997 in this program's history that has an NCAA tournament win. Like, yeah. go back 23 years, it was the Tubby team, the 2012 team, they beat Shabazz Mohammed in UCLA. But mm-hmm. to me, it's time for this program not only to make it, and hopefully win a game
1: or two. No, I agree with you completely 100%. I mean, it's definitely our time to get a couple wins in the tournament, and definitely I think we put ourselves in a really good spot too as well. I mean, the pieces that we have right now, I mean, obviously are really talented. We have some really talented young guys, and hopefully that they can take these experiences from this year and apply them to their careers here. Obviously Gabe and Daniel and Jarvis and a couple of the guys who are sitting out, like Peyton and Marcus can also take take some experiences away from practices and games and stuff like that and apply them to them. To, their, to themselves and I think that's very important.
0: Where did your gift of rebounding come from?
1: Uh, man, my, I think um, my rebounding came from my dad honestly. He a funny story. used to take me to the courts just outside. We used to go to like, school parks and stuff like that. And he would just like, okay, I'm going to throw this off the backboard. It's going to hit the rim and you have to find it, rebound it and put it back up. Uh, I'm gonna do this about 30 times. You're gonna do it 30 times. So, uh, we'd be out there at the Texas heat for an hour, hour and a half, just doing that. And I mean, I found it fun. It was just, uh, it was something where he just did that every time. We just we went to the park, and it was it was a good time.
0: Was that the start of? I mean, for a little bit, you had the nickname Low Motor Murph. <laughs> it's now High Motor Murph. I mean, is that High Motor Murph? I mean, is that? Was that the start of high-motor Murph going back to those days
1: I believe the Texas playgrounds? I believe so. I think that was the start. I mean, my dad's always been in my ear about rebounding and following shots and treating everything like a miss, and that's just something that he really reiterated to me ever since I was in middle school. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that was the birthplace of it.
0: What does it mean to you when I say you're the all-time leading rebounder in Minnesota history?
1: Uh, I think that means a lot to me. I think that being able to tell, say that I'm the all-time rebounder in a place where Kevin McHale and Michael Thompson played and a lot of other legends played uh, that went on to have great careers in basketball after this place, so I think that's a really high honor for me. And that's something I can really hang my hat on, just look back after the season and just be like, wow, like I actually did that and I was actually able to accomplish something and uh, be able to make a difference here.
0: And not only here, I mean, number two all-time in Big <laughs> Ten history. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's your reaction when you hear that?
1: It, honestly, I just never came into college expecting any any type of Big Ten record or anything like that. I just came in here just to make an impact and, and just do my part. But, I mean, being able to say I'm second all-time in Big Ten rebounding, I mean, that's, that's nothing small. That's nothing short. And, I mean, that's definitely something that uh, I'm really proud of, and that's something that I definitely just look at and just be like, 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 wow, I really went beyond my goals. I really went beyond my limits and just and did that. And so I just stayed with it, stuck to the course, and that's what happened.
0: Not only rebounding, I mean, you just passed, who, Kevin McHale on the points list, right? (laughs) Field goals, free throws, I mean, go up and down the list. I mean, you're top ten in Minnesota school history in so many different categories.
1: Yeah, uh, I really didn't know about, like, the free throw attempts or free throw makes or field goals or anything like that until, like, just recently. And so uh, I really didn't know I was top ten in any of those or top five in any of those either. So, I mean, just knowing that and seeing that is... uh, it's amazing. It's something that you can really just look back on senior night and just be like, uh, I made my parents proud, I made my family proud, I made my friends proud, I made my coaches and teammates proud, and that's just something. That's all that matters to me. Will
0: you have a moment tomorrow night where you just sort of soak it all in pregame? I mean, there's so much on the line game-wise, but no, yeah. Will you have a moment at some point just to soak it in and say, okay, this is my last game here at the barn?
1: Um, I think once I walk down those stairs again after the game, and uh, after I'm done high-fiving the fans and stuff like that, and Saying my goodbyes, I think that's something where I'll just sit back and be like, wow, like, that's it. Like, I'm never walking back up those stairs again to play in an official game at the barn again, and that's something where uh, I'll definitely have a moment and definitely going to have to, I'll talk probably talk to Dupree and uh, talk to Brock and Motts and be like, that, that was it. Like, that's what we did. We left our mark there. And so uh, that's just something where, yeah, I'll probably have a moment or two and just take a little bit just to reflect.
0: How many games have your mom and dad been able to get to? I mean, it's not a lot, right? I mean, how no. special will it be to have them and all the other family members here?
1: Man, it'll be very, very important for my parents to be there. it mean a lot to me, obviously. I mean, them uh, being able to travel all the way up to this cold weather and just uh, weather it all just for me and just to be on that court with me at some point and just let uh, let them see what their son's become ever since the, since I was little. So uh, it was just something that I hope they're proud, and I hope they can really see that uh, I, I made that I made them proud.
0: Do you have a sense that you're leaving the program in better shape than when you
1: got here? I, I think so. I would like to think so. I would like to think I made, I made the program. I helped uh, elevate the program in some type of way. I helped uh, help make an impact and, and change it for the better. I want to leave the program better than when I found it, and that's something where uh, I hope I did. And I really do. I mean, I really won't know until years to come, and um, until I really see the impact that I made on the younger guys and see what they turn into and see if they're really listening to the things I tell them. So. Um, I hope so.
0: And the future's bright. I mean, you touched on some of the individuals with Marcus Mm -hmm. and and the Vandy Transfer and all the freshmen, and Peck back next year. So, I mean, you feel like that that the program is on the rise?
1: I do. I really do feel like the program's on the rise. I really do feel like um, we have a lot of young talent. We have a really good young core that can really Uh, elevate this program even to higher heights than what me and Dupree try to do. I think that they have a lot of potential and they have a lot of leadership qualities that will really pick up and really pass along to the young guys that they'll be with and around. So I think the future is really bright for them.
0: How about the future for you? I
1: mean, do you think much about the NBA? Um, I try not to, just so I can focus on the season. I try not to think about my future and just focus on the here and now and the present and live in the the moment. Um, That's something where, I mean, nothing's for sure. Nothing's ever guaranteed in this life and nothing's ever guaranteed in this sport. I mean, anything happened at any time, as we've seen in the past. And so I just try not to take anything for granted at this point.
0: How about some, and we'll let you go after this, how about just some individual memories? Like, this might be recency bias, but, like, I'm thinking about the dunk against Penn State. Mm. Right, but, like, yeah. any other memories? Maybe it's that one, just some memories
1: that hit you? Uh, that's a really big memory for me, obviously, the dunk versus Penn State. The dunk at Rutgers is a really big memory for me. Um, I think our game versus Michigan my sophomore year here, we went to overtime, two overtimes. Two overtimes and one overtime, one of the two uh was a really big one for me. Obviously the Iowa game here 2 years ago was a really big memory for me as well. I'm
0: trying to think, can you say you beat every Big 10
1: team? Uh, I can't. I can't. I know I have not Wait, actually. You
0: guys won at Purdue. You beat won. Michigan here. Did you beat Michigan
1: State? We we beat Michigan State in the Big 10 tournament 2 years ago.
0: Am I forgetting anybody?
1: Ohio State? Ohio State. We beat Ohio State here 2 years ago too. So yeah, I think, am I right? I, I think I can, I can say I've beaten most of them or all of them, yeah. I mean, not necessarily in their buildings, because that's definitely hard, but I can say I've at least have one win over a, a vast... Uh, no, actually all of them, yeah. I can say I've beaten all of them.
0: There's some great names up there in the rafters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can make a case with all your accolades that you belong up there one
1: day. Uh, hopefully one day. I think I can say that uh, I definitely have a good, a good chance as of right now, but... Uh, I think, in my opinion, I think I need to win more, uh, win a couple more games, get to the tournament, and just uh, leave my legacy on that note.
0: I mean, and I'll leave you after this. I mean, keep talking about that. I mean, it's getting bigger than this week then, right? I mean, no, not only tomorrow, but then heading into Maryland.
1: No, yeah, those two games are something that we really need, and those are something that I can really uh, hang my hat on as I'm leaving this place and just leaving with one more great memory is just being Purdue here and getting that road win at Maryland. Just, uh Going to the Big Ten tournament with some momentum and just making a run in there and hopefully just making the tournament.
0: I went through. I double-checked. Jordan can say he beat every Big Ten team at least once. Senior night, Tuesday night for Jordan Murphy, for Dupree, McBrayer. who will have his aunt and uncle there, some other family friends. His mom, of course, passed away a few months ago. And it's also senior night for Brock Stahl, for Mott Stockman. And for Jarvis Johnson, don't forget Jarvis coming out of De La Salle. That was a big recruiting win. For Richard Patino, his own personal doctor said, hey, Jarvis can play. He's got that heart ailment. The University of Minnesota would never clear Jarvis, but he hung tough. He'll get his degree. He was a great team leader behind the scenes, will continue to be for the next couple weeks. Jarvis Johnson, his final game with the Gophers at Williams Arena on Tuesday night. So no NBA scouts credentialed for the Purdue game, but Grant Sherfield will be at the game. He is the former UCLA signee. He bailed from his letter of intent after Steve Alford got fired at UCLA. Wichita State wants him. He's at Sunrise Christian Academy. He's a top 125 recruit. He is highly, highly coveted. Wichita State wants him. Wake Forest wants him. Purdue has some interest. Ole Miss. Kyle Lindstead on the Gopher staff used to coach at Sunrise Christian. He has the connection to Sherfield. So getting a player of that caliber to add to Trey Williams for the 2019 recruiting class would be a big-time win because right now 2019 recruiting has been not a giant failure, but Richard Petino has swung and missed on a number of guys. So maybe he can rebound with a really good player, a former UCLA signee. So anyway, Grant Sherfield in town now. He will be at the Purdue game on Tuesday night. All right, let's get to the Vikings. I sense coming out of Indianapolis, buzz from the Combine, that the Vikings are going to be very active the next couple of weeks. In fact, one agent who spent a considerable amount of time with the Vikings told me, hey, there is going to be some action. Like, they really like free agent offensive lineman Roger Saffold. Yes, Billy Turner, Moundsview High School, former Bronco, is very much on their radar. They had free agent interest in Turner previously. They have other free agent offensive linemen on their radar. They have some trade targets on their radar on the trade front. If I had to rank Vikings most likely to be traded, my sense is Everson Griffin would be number one on that list. The Vikings really like Stephen Weatherly. They were able to overcome Griffin's absence during the season last season. It's not like the defense curled up into the fetal position, and the Vikings can create over $10 million in cap space if they make a move on Griffin. The Raiders are one team to watch on Griffin. There's some 49ers buzz. There's other teams that have interest in Griffin. I think there's enough of a trade market where if the Vikings make just one trade, he would be at the top of the list of guys I would rank most likely to go. That being said, I was told by by somebody that talked to the Vikings over the weekend that they really feel like they're only married to Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, Daniil Hunter, Stephon Diggs to some degree. I mean, I don't think they're trading Stephon Diggs anytime soon, but I don't think that they are completely married to him like they are Adam Thielen. And because Kirk Cousins has a no trade, I guess they're married to him. Although, I had one person tell me he sensed from talking to the Vikings that if the Vikings could, they would take Nick Foles over Kirk Cousins. They did have some free agent interest in Foles a couple years ago... But that Cousins contract is ironclad. He's not going anywhere. So they will figure out how to make do with Kirk Cousins in year two in a Vikings uniform. But I just get the sense that the Vikings are open-minded to many, many changes. Now, do I think they're going to trade three or four guys? I don't. But I'm just telling you, they're only married to a select few. On Anthony Barr, I've been saying it for months. If you've listened to this podcast, I see him elsewhere. I mean, the Vikings tried to negotiate a deal with Barr going back many months. They can never find a happy medium. He is going to get paid and paid handsomely. But I just don't see it here in Minnesota. Andrew Sandejo and Mike Remmers continue to look like cap casualties. I continue to hear that Kyle Rudolph is not open-minded to restructuring his contract. Now, if he hits the open market, let's say the Vikings release Kyle Rudolph, I had one agent tell me that Rudolph would be smart to take a restructured contract. That the open market wouldn't be very, very kind to him. But I sense that maybe he would roll those dice, that, hey, if the Vikings want him back, he'll be back at over $7 million. Now, there's no dead money there, but I'm just telling you, you know, a lot of people say, you know, man of the year, all that. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is an A-plus human being, trust me, and he loves it here in Minnesota. So I think a lot of fans have said, hey, yeah, of course he'll take a pay cut, a restructure. Of course he'll do the Vikings that favor. Not so fast. I'm just telling you, keep an eye on that situation. Because if the Vikings are looking to create even more cap space, I'm just telling you, I don't think a restructure of Kyle Rudolph's contract is going to come very easily. On Sheldon Richardson, the Colts like him, the Cowboys like him. The Seahawks like him. I'm sure other teams like him as well. I've just heard those three. The Vikings like him, too. The Vikings would love to retain Sheldon Richardson. That's a to-be-determined. Like, I feel confident saying Anthony Barr is going to land elsewhere. To-be-determined on Sheldon Richardson. But I do think there is going to be a market for the Vikings' defensive tackle. One other free agent note. Mike Prefer, now running the special teams in Cleveland, thinks the world of Marcus Sherrills. So keep an eye. Not to say that Sherrills won't end up back with the Vikings, but keep an eye on Brown's interest. In Cheryl's. On the prospect front, the draft prospect front, the Vikings met formally with a number of guys. You can meet with up to 60 guys formally at the Combine. I don't have the full list, but here are some names that they formally met with in Indianapolis. Noah Fant, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner, and Texas defensive lineman Charles O'Menahu. They also had a number of informal talks with kickers with every position. I mean, informally, the Vikings probably ended up talking to just about every prospect that was in Indianapolis. I did hear on Blake Cashman, the former gopher, who had a fantastic weekend. I think he made himself some money over the weekend, plus he has great special teams flexibility. We'll have Blake on a future podcast I've been texting with him. We'll figure that out. I'll have Blake on before the draft, surely. Here are the teams showing the most interest in Blake Cashman, I'm told. The Vikings? the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Redskins, the Saints, and the Chiefs. Trey Pipkins, the former Apple Valley High School offensive lineman from Sioux Falls, good player in the Northern Sun, met formally at the Combine with the Titans, the Eagles, the Bears, the Chargers, and the Lions. Amani Hooker, Park Center High School, Big Ten Defensive Back of the Year, safety from Iowa, met formally with seven teams, hopefully on Friday, episode 209. I'll tell you who those seven teams are. He made himself some money on Monday, running a four four nine six one two hundred and ten 210 pounds. He finished top five in so many combine categories when it comes to safeties. Amani Hooker solidifying himself as a day-two pick Maybe goes even as high as, what, high to mid second round. And names to know from Park Center High School, Amani Hooker. By the way, if you're new to this podcast, I had Amani on the podcast going back, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 episodes. A few weeks ago, Amani Hooker was on the Scoop podcast. We'll have him on again either before the draft or maybe we'll have him on again after the draft. Some other notes. Hadley, Javon Hadley of Matamidi High School, Junior, Dawson Garcia, Junior, Prior Lake, two really good basketball players, visited Iowa unofficially over the weekend for the Rutgers game. The Wolves had a scout, a high ranking scout at the Duke Miami game on Saturdays. Ian Williamson, of course, didn't play, but a chance to watch Trey Jones. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and others, uh, Miami some NBA prospects as well. I really thought Robert Covington, who has now missed 26 games for the Wolves, I really thought he would be back on Tuesday at home against Oklahoma City, but he is out. It sounds like he'll be back before the week is over, though, so that is good news. But if you're looking at the Oklahoma City game as a must-win, although, heck, after this 0-3 road trip, the Wolves aren't making the playoffs. But internally, if they still view the playoffs As a scenario that could happen, heck, you'd really like to have Robert Covington against OKC, but he will miss that game. By the way, on the buyout front, the Wolves had some loose talks, casual talks on buying out a couple guys, but nothing ever came even remotely close. I mean, going back to pre-March 1st, remember March 1st is the date where... You have to buy somebody out, have somebody hit waivers, and then they can land on a new team and be playoff eligible. So like, for example, if the Wolves bought out a player right now, then he landed on a new team, that player would not be playoff eligible. So March 1st is the day that is circled on the buyout front. The Wolves had some casual talks on buying out maybe a couple guys, but nothing ever came Remotely close because, I'm telling you, pre-March 1st, like when they're talking to these agents on February 27th, February 28th, the Wolves really felt like they could make the playoffs. Now, to me, the playoffs were a pipe dream going back many weeks, but hey, I guess internally, I guess you always need to shoot for the stars. So, going back a few days, they thought they could still make the playoffs, so they were not interested in buying out guys like Anthony Tolliver and Taj Gibson. Uncle on the Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel talk, I'll continue to say I'm a broken record. If either guy wants to come down term and money-wise, sure, the Twins would have some interest. They don't have interest in giving either guy a five-year deal or a four-year deal at big-time money. I get it. As long as those guys are out there, the Twitter questions will continue to come in. I appreciate the passion of those Twins fans, but I'm telling you, unless... One of those guys, both those guys come way, way down. I just don't see it. Never say never, as long as those guys are out there, never say never. But I'm telling you, it's what I've been saying for two or three weeks now on this podcast. Either guy landing here is a big-time long shot. The Twins will soon wrap up deals with all their pre-arbitration guys. Like I was told, Mitch Garver is done at 575. Thousand dollars. The Major League Baseball minimum for this year is five hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars. So Garver gets twenty grand over the minimum. They will go higher than the minimum on most guys, if not all guys. Tyler Duffy, Jake Cave, Tyler Austin, Trevor Hildenberger, and others. Look for the Twins to announce those deals in the coming days. But Garver is definitely done. Bad news for Philip Nelson, the former Gopher, Mankato West quarterback. He plays in the whatever that new league is called. Mike Martz is the coach. He plays for San Diego. Philip Nelson is out four to six weeks with a fractured clavicle. We'll certainly have more on the Vikings on Score North, scorenorth.com. I'm back on Friday night on Score North, 1500 a.m. in the Twin Cities, 6 o'clock we have the Scoop podcast, that is, has the 6 o'clock hour on Friday nights on Score North. So certainly as the week unfolds, more and more will happen on the Vikings front or come more to light on the Vikings front. Very busy week when it comes to the Vikings. Then it feeds into next week when free agency begins. Let the free agent frenzy begin. And the Vikings should be players in some regard because they are going to create more cap space. Right now, the Vikings have... It's like them and like one or two other teams, the least amount of cap space of any team in the league. But the Vikings soon will be creating more cap space. That does it for episode 208 of the Scoop Podcast. Appreciate you listening. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Oh, 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 right.